No, and we are pause. Yes. Okay, I'm only somewhat concerned. Hopefully, whatever. You, if you get a uh, if you get a, a note that the the recording will come through, we'll we'll find it somewhere. Okay. It is. If it, if it happens to record on my PC, I will then send you the the file. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. Great. Uh, Michael Blake, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Please tell me a little bit, you know, you have a beautiful comeback story, this idea about how you sort of hit, hit sort of rock bottom and then, and then rebuilt yourself. So just give me a little bit of background about kind of where you come from and, and some of your highs and lows. Yeah, well, gosh, a, a quick one might be might be tough, but I'll, I'll give you the, the kind of the nutshell. So I have kind of a software background. I was taught to get a good job, get good, you know, get good grades, get a good job, and so I was in the right place at the right time. And I, we IPO. I joined a software company in the late '90s, and we IPO'd in, in March 2000, and put a bunch of money in my pocket. And then two th- years later, like 2004, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah, I am. I am so sorry. Oh, you know what? We can start over. <laughs> we can start over. Ah. Hang on, Aliza, you can't come in anymore, sweetheart. Thank you very much. The benefits of a home office are great unless the kids are. are home, at which point the benefits go out the window. That's all right. That's One all right. more time. Sorry. That's right. Aliza, close the door right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm embarrassed. This is, the, this is actually the That's okay. It happens to, me, it happens to me all the time. Like my daughter will start practicing her, her piano, you know, and. Uh, all right. Let's try it one more I, time. All right, I, I, I need an on-air sign. That's what right, I need. I know exactly, right? That's or, or or just locks on your office door. That that could also work. Um, all right, so we are going to try this one more time. I apologize. Um, so I will cue up my question anyway. So you just get started again about your about your story. Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't know how much time you have, but I'll give it to you in a in a nutshell, Jacob. <laughs> so you know, I was taught to get good grades and get a good job, and that's what I did. I got into software. And I was in the right time, right, right place. I, I joined a software startup in the late 90s. And we did, had a software IPO in uh, March 2000, put a bunch of money in my pocket. And, uh, you know, my, my idea was, was, was to be a CEO of a software company. And then I read Rich Dad Poor Dad in 2004. And I was like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I need to, it's not how much money you have in the bank. It's how much passive income I was deriving. And I was getting like interest and dividends, which were like minimal. And so after some major hemming and hawing, I was like, I'm just going to throw it all away. I'm going to pursue this dream of passive income. And I did everything at once because I had some money in a bank. So I quit and I flipped some houses. I took, a, uh, I took an apartment building boot camp and I learned how to trade stocks and options. And, and, but my big idea was restaurants because I was, I was surrounded by a bunch of uh, Five Guys uh, burger uh, franchisees. And like, oh, it costs this much to open. You hire a guy to run everything and you sit back and you count your, your money. I was like, this is great. That's exactly what, you know, what Robert Kiyosaki teaches. So that's what I did. I hired a guy and I got into a different franchise. At, at the time, it was a pizza franchise. And life was great. I was in a state of semi-retirement for like four years. And, um, and then that kind of turned into a nightmare. So long story short, I ended up losing my software IPO millions in the restaurant experiment and clawed my way out with real estate. And the only thing I knew how to do was flip houses. I didn't have any more money. Let's let's go let's go let's go back for a few moments here. So so what was the what was the mindset that you needed to leave this this conventional world of I mean again it's it's a fascinating idea because here I guess maybe it shows the the downsides of of education in the sense that you could spend 18 to you went to college also so it's you know you whatever to 22 years of of I guess you 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 know, whatever you start in seventh grade something like that but you have these many many years of education you read one book and suddenly your whole plan for all of your life is out the window and it was like you were already successful so how what were some some character traits that you think that you had or that you advise people to have to allow them to sort of 
have that mindset to make this shift into something that is, you know, be more passive income or actually going to grow wealth as opposed to be, you know, determined on how many hours you're actually working or, you know, your connection to the company. Yeah, let me, let me say this. I didn't get a lot of support for my decision because it, on the surface uh, or even to some depth, it didn't make a lot of sense because I was really giving up a pretty good gig there. Uh, what I discovered though, especially in the latter days of the software uh, is that I was actually an entrepreneur and I didn't know that because I was never surrounded by other entrepreneurs. My dad is, you know, lifetime, you know, IBMer. All my relatives were employees. I just, I had no idea. So it took, I was in my early thirties until I finally was starting waking up to the idea that I was actually an entrepreneur. That's really what lit me up. And so that, and then the realization that passive income, financial freedom is really required is what I wanted, is what I wanted. I wanted to provide my family on the one hand, but I needed, I wanted to control my time as well. And I realized I had a bunch of money and I, I figured I probably enough money for five, six, maybe seven years, but that's not like permanent. So that's just why I wanted to, I, as much as I want to do software and stuff like that, I really wanted permanent financial freedom. Um, and that's really, so the realization on the one hand that I was an entrepreneur coupled with financial freedom, that's kind of what propelled me to take this course of action. And so, and most people, I'm saying this is, this is obvious, but most people don't think like that because the, the, the idea of having a stable job, I guess, and so is like such a good security blanket that no one figures out that, oh, I might need more money than what's going to be in my retirement or my retirement's not actually, you know, worked out and everything like that. So you had that foresight to see that I need something that's actually kicking off money to me in order for me to actually consider myself stable, I guess. That's right, but mo but most more and more people are coming to that realization, and they're normally in their mid thirties, kind of like I was. They've been working for 15, 20 years, and like, man, this is kind of a grind, and I got to work another twenty foot, twenty five years. They're like, this is insane. Meanwhile, I'm missing my children grow up. Like, you know, this is what people they're mid thirties. That's what they come to the realization, and then they, that's when they start thinking real estate. They're like, wow, financial freedom, real estate, right? And but they're thinking like single family house landlording or flipping you know, but they don't realize that those things actually, the, the chance of them actually achieving financial freedom with those strategies are actually very, very low. Meanwhile, okay. things- okay, wait, 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 so I, I want to get that, I want to I finish your story, then I want to get back into that, because yeah. that, that's, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to go with that also. So, so, so finish up, so you, so you lose, you lose, you're not, not finish up, take all the time you need, but so you, you, you end up losing a lot of money in the restaurant business. All of it. All of it. Essentially. Well, what are you telling yourself? You're, you're, you're like mid thirties, <laughs> late thirties at this point? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, what I'm telling myself is I'm such an idiot. What would have happened if I, you know, stayed at my job? And, you know, uh -huh. some other people are saying the same thing. <laughs> and, you know, you know, but, you know, I, I, at the time it was, I'll tell you, it was, it was pretty painful. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was, however, let me, let me say this though. This is, it was apparently very necessary for me for, for forming my character because, you know, I, I've grown up Christian all my life, but I really never exercised my faith. Never had to because everything was all hunky dory, right? All the time. All of a sudden, things were not hunky dory. And what was happening is it wasn't just a, a, a constant, well, it kind of was a constant uh, spiral, but it, was, it happened in steps, right? You, okay, you get into something in a restaurant, you know, like, oh, it can't get any worse than that. And, some, and then you, you become angry, you're in denial. Eventually, sort of, you kind of accept it because you can't change it. And then it, the bottom drops out again. And the same thing happens over and over again. And while this is going on, there's a few things I learned, uh, Jacob. One is I don't control anything, right? That to me was very hard because I controlled everything and someone else controls everything. And so there was a certain degree of surrender. And once I did that, my next lesson was that I needed to be at peace with the situation regardless of what happened, which was a, a very painful thing because there were some painful things happening for me. So it was really, it really strengthened my faith considerably during this time. So what, by the time 
the crap really hit the fan, I was actually relatively calm. That's amazing. So I, I want to look into that also for, for a few seconds. The, the idea of, I think, it, and in a ways, it's, it's almost a, a, a contrarian in the sense that we might look at passive income as a way to, you know, again, they're, they're, I'm, 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 a, I'm a rabbi, so I, I, I think about these things often. But, but, you know, there's this constant, this idea that, you know, we sort of, we, we need, we depend on God for our, you know, for our daily bread and for kind of, you know, that, that whole concept. And then the idea of passive income for a lot of people is saying like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I just, I, I can just provide for myself everything. And then the flip side is that you're saying that you really took off in that direction once everything started to fall apart. To a certain extent, do you think that if you didn't have that faith, you would have not come out the way that you did? So, but here's, here's the thing. I developed that faith through the process. I, I didn't go in. I thought I did because, you know, you go to church and you're, you know, whatever, but I didn't actually have the faith. And it was evidenced by the fact that I was extremely stressed out. I had the uncanny ability to worry. It was literally one of my, my core strengths. I could, I could worry, you know, I, I could have 25,000 different ways things can go wrong. And I've been cured of this now, but I did not have the faith going and it was developed over, over time. So you're saying faith is a very practical thing in terms of how much your internal um, calmness and quietness that you have. That's really the biggest evidence of your faith, not necessarily how much time you sat and, and been a part of, you know, a, a service or something like that, but it's, it's just how you feel on the inside. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of entrepreneurs, whether they're Christian or some other religion, or it, it, they, they have a certain agreed amount of faith. Uh, because otherwise, entrepreneurs step out on a ledge all the time. That's the definition of entrepreneurs. So they must have faith in something. You know, and, and I certainly had faith in God, and, but I had probably more faith in me, you know, to be honest with you. And, and so what I, what I learned throughout this process is that there's actually a God who loves me. And, and you know, there's, I think there's some, some, some kind of a, a Chinese proverb. It's, it's, it all turns out well in the end. And if it's, if, it has, if it's not okay, it's not the end. Right. And so that's kind of lessons I learning. Well, things are not well right now because God's going to take care of me somehow. I don't see it right now. It's going to be OK. And I should just calm, you know, just be calm and see kind of what what develops. And that's I did not have that kind of confidence moving in. I, I was for sure that my life you know, would end. My house would, it would be gone. My family would be gone and I'd be living under a bridge, you know. And, and, and so I did not have that confidence. The, the, Job, the Job story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, so that fascinating. I love that. So you're saying by the time things actually fall apart, you are in, I don't want to call it a Zen state, but you are completely living with faith. And as mm -hmm. things fall apart, you know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, I had to be stripped of all that. And apparently, I had a, a very a, a huge attachment to money. I didn't think I did, but I, apparently I did. I had a huge attachment to control. And that needed to be all stripped to me, right? So it was, it, I, was I was essentially uh, taught complete surrender is really what it was because I had nothing more to lose at this point. I, what option do you have, right? <laughs> How were so, you, and you were, you were married, you had kids back then? I got yeah, four, I, I have four, I have four, okay. 11, 11 to 17, two boys, okay. two girls. Me, okay, great. So, so as you are, and, and, and I also, as a, as a father of, of four kids, I, the, there's a, you know, it's like if you were 19 in your mom's basement or whatever it might be and you're losing everything, you're like, fine. How did you keep your... I guess your marriage afloat and your and your kids normal while you are going through such horrific stress. <laughs> yeah, so I got to credit my wife for that. She's see, she's a she's a rock. She's very calm. She's like, you know, you're gonna do fine. We're gonna be fine. You know, do the best you can, kind of thing, right? So that's that was her. And and so, her, so marry well is your advice. Oh, oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. Definitely, mar definitely married up. You know, her okay. her faith innately. She grew up Catholic, but her faith apparently is 
it's just out of the box or so just higher. And, and there's just another uh, example that some people are just the way they are and, and some people are different. And in my case, my faith had not been developed and it had to be developed. But her faith was always like, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be cool. You know, do the best you can and relax. Amazing. Okay, great. So now, now, now what? Now, now the money's gone and uh, you know how to flip houses. Yeah, I knew how to flip houses. So, and I, I developed the art of, of, of raising money because I didn't have any. Um, and so we, you know, we, we flipped like three dozen houses in, in, in two and a half years and it was great, made a lot of good money, but, uh, and it kind of you know, allowed me to get out of that situation, but it was a lot of work. You know, I had my team in place, but still if, you know, I couldn't take a month off if I wanted to, or, or work from somewhere else. I had to, I had to be there to a large degree. And so I mean, I got kind of got what, into what, the, what years were these, by the way? Uh, this is going to be in uh, 2009 to 2012. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. So it's <clears throat> right, right during the, uh, the exciting time in our country. Exciting time in the country, and it was just a huge, you know, amount of foreclosures. But yeah, the retail yeah. market was 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 uh, getting better, so it was a giant hole. You know, you can buy a house at eighty, put in thirty, and then sell it for one fifty, and it was it was great. And so I took advantage of that, but I had to learn to raise the art of uh, uh, had to learn how to raise money. And then a giant light bulb went off. Oh my gosh, I could actually do something without my own money. And by leveraging other people's money, that was major. I got into an apartment building, and you know, it, it, it not nearly as exciting. Uh, as flipping houses, but the, you know, the apartment buildings quietly sending me mailbox money and the houses, once I sell it, the money stops flowing. So I was like, man, this is insanity. Like, like I, I'm still chasing financial freedom, right? And I, and I still haven't found it yet because if I don't flip another house next month, I'm not going to eat. So I'm like, man, so now I'm working for myself, check, but this is insanity, right? And so, you know, I was like, man, I got to do something. I was like, well, maybe I'll just, I'll just, instead of selling them, I'll hold them. So I'll create a portfolio of houses. Well, if, if I want like fifty, if I want like ten thousand dollars a month of income, and each house generates two hundred dollars a month, which by the way is a stretch in almost any market, I need like fifty houses. I'm like, yeah, I just did three dozen. That's like, I'm not doing that. Why don't I just get more of these apartment buildings? Like, what is what's entailed with that? And I, I started to pivot, and I started a blog around around this, uh, and uh, and then I started creating an analyzer, and people started buying that, and it's was just there, kind of. Is there a level of of um? Of, of terror, I guess you could say, or, or, or fear, because when you're speaking about a single family home and then you switch over to an apartment, obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot more investment that, that, that has to be, that has to be raised. So a signif significant amount of terror. Yeah. Significant amount of terror. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And even, I remember distinctly, you know, uh, putting this 12 unit under contract that was in Washington DC and it just looked really big to me. It was just this three story brick building. It was substantially bigger than the houses I was flipping. And I was just really, really nervous. Uh, about the whole thing. And, but what I found is after about 10 days of being really nervous, but I spent time there, I talked to people about it. You know, I, I all of a sudden, my confidence level uh, increased and my comfort zone expanded. And, I, and after like 10 days, I'm like, daggone it, this is a lot of work. I wish this thing were bigger. Because so that, that's fascinating. I, I, I mean, you know, it's amazing that you said that because I'm drawing parallels a lot of times in, in the realm of like, if a person wants to change their diet, um, they have to um, you know, it's like you make that change and then it's like terrible for three days. And then by the end of like day four or five, you're not craving any of the old stuff anymore. Right. It's just that matter of getting over that hump of the three days. And so you're saying the same thing is true in terms of business, in terms of raising capital that you will be like, Oh my gosh, but that's actually, that'll wait, go off after 10 days. And then you're just kind of swimming in, in bigger waters. Oh, it's, a, it's a great, it's, it's, it's a great way to hack your comfort zone. So all you do is if you, if your comfort zone is, let's say a 10 units or whatever the comfort zone is, you start visiting 25, 50 units. You just kind of tour them. 
you just, you just, you know, call up the broker, you know, and then you start doing this and you do this a couple of times. You're like 10 units. That's ridiculous. I'm going to 30 units, right? And it's a great way to hack your comfort zone without having to do a bunch of single family houses. Amazing. Okay, great. So, so now you're looking at these apartments, you have this big, you have this big building in Washington DC, then what happens? Well, so this is all going on. I, like I said, I start blogging about it because I, I just, you know, I, I have this, I have this vacation house. The one thing left over from my, from my uh, IPO heyday. Then of course I leveraged it to open up another restaurant. So you know where that's going anyway. So I planted a bamboo grove and I love bamboo. It's like my favorite plant. So during this time, this was now in 2013, I, you know, when the, when it was really bad, I'm losing $10,000 a month and I'm almost out of my, you know, I had like $200,000 a line of credit and I was almost out of it. Like no more cash, no more credit. And that was really bad because then I can't pay the, the people. They would quit. And I can't even sell what I have. So I spent a lot of time reflecting in the, in the bamboo and, and I, I get the very strong sensation that I needed to share my experiences with other people to prevent some major mistakes and to accelerate the process uh, of that. come from the bamboo? Well, okay. It comes from bamboo. It comes from a lot of praying and, and reading and <laughs> meditating. Okay. <laughs> I got the very strong sensation. Every time I thought about the idea of blogging and teaching about it, I got more and more excited because actually every time I did that, I, I got, I, I, I light up. Like I love teaching. I just never realized that I love teaching because I don't pay attention to these things apparently. But the, the more I thought about it, the more excited I got about the idea of blogging about it and possibly having seminars someday or something like that. The only problem with God's plan was it was a really bad business plan because I knew studying this that if you're going to do that if you're going to do this stuff online or sell anything you need a list well that's going to take you two or three years if you're lucky but I had a problem now but I found is and I did it anyway I just did it in like blind faith because I felt very strong this is my this is my path forward and you know so I started blogging on the bigger pockets I put up my own website people downloaded my free ebook and the response was just unbelievably overwhelming, right? So I started getting investors. I started getting deals, uh, you know, and within like, within like a year, you know, I'm making like six figures off this whole thing, like the deals and the, and the, and the education and this, that, and the other thing. And it was, it, was, it was so stark, Jacob, that there's no way I could take credit for that. Like it was like so, so accelerated. <laughs> you I, know? I, no, I, I want to I point out though that, there, that the practical component of that is that you you took this risk of kind of sharing your story without the you know the recognition of where it might go but you know so often there are so many people out there that do have you know experience and, and I, the amazing thing also is and I'm, I'm literally i'm thinking about a client right now as i say this you know so she teaches moms about how to you know kind of start a start a home business and she feels like well you know if, if it was bankrolling you know millions of dollars a month then i would really be you know but you're saying like no you you came at a time when actually you were stretched to your max and you were still, because you still had the relevant experience, even if it wasn't turning around great at that moment, you sort of knew what to do or at least how to get started. And that was the big accelerant that, that really pushed you and, and changed everything for you. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you're right. But, but the, I think more fundamentally, what changed inside me is that I stopped thinking about myself and, and I started thinking about how can I help others, right? I, that, that was my main realization. It's got to, it, it can't just be about me and let's say my family, but that's not really a very selfless thing. Okay. Cause your family is still kind of you. And I think that shifted. And, and as I talk to people who have been through similar experiences, they come out with the same thing. Like there's a degree of surrender. And it was like, I got to help other people. Like, you know, I got to help. Other and so I think, I think doing that just fundamentally kind of just changes things when you're doing things, uh, and you're trying to help other people and you're like, man, I think, I, I, I think it'll help me you know, just intuitively, 
but you don't know that. You don't, it, it, you don't I mean, do it because of that. It's not such a clear path to profit. I mean, that's, that's not, always the, the, the most painful thing and, and, and something I always tell people. It's like, look, if you're going to start a podcast, if you're going to start teaching, like that's not, that shouldn't be like, you know, I'm going to be netting a lot of money out of that every, every month. Do it because you, you love it. Do it because you want to share right. with someone else. But like, you know, don't, that's not, your, that's not your, your exit strategy, at least initially. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Amazing. So, so, so what happens? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, one thing leads to another, right? So t- you know, today we're one of the leading, you know, educators in apartment buildings. If you type in apartment building investing, I'm all over page one now. And that's great. We have live events, we have mentoring, and then we also do our own deals. We partner with our students. We have this deal desk where people can find deals, bring it to us, and we'll partner with them and raise the money for it. And it's, it's you know, my, my mission really is to help people come financially free with real estate. And so I, I know that if I can help someone do their first deal, the second and third will follow in rapid almost automatic succession and they will have covered the living expenses. And I know this because I talked to so many people on my podcast and this is why I wrote the book around this, what I call the law of the first deal is so powerful that I don't need to show you how many units you need to quit your job. I just need to show you how to do one deal. Everything else will follow automatically. And for most people, almost like 95% of people from the time they truly decide they want to get into this stuff, they'll, they'll be financially free within one or two years. Now I say three to five years, but no one takes that long. It's so powerful. Even, even if you start with a duplex, with an with a apartment building mindset. Because what happens if you start with a duplex, because of this expanding comfort zone we talked about, mm-hmm. the second deal will be around 10 units, the third deal will be around 25 units, and then it'll be 50 plus. And, and most people, if you're starting with a duplex, you're probably not going to try to replace $10,000 in, in monthly expenses. If, if you have $10,000 in expenses, you're probably making 120, 150 a year. You're probably not starting with a duplex. You're probably going to start with like a 20 unit. Well, then you do a 20, a 50, and a 100, and you're done, right? You've got so, more so than 10,000. To, to clarify what you're saying, and, and I think that the, 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 the real estate space is, you know, again, and maybe, maybe again, just because I'm Jewish and I, you know, I live, on, I live on, uh, in California and I know people in New York, but <clears throat> the real estate space for a lot of people is, is very intimidating for a bunch of different reasons. One of it is that there's this concept that there is so much initial investment that you have to have set aside, um, which you're saying that's something that is not, not true. That's correct. Right. That's okay. right. That, that's, that's the main uh, objection followed closely by, I don't have any experience. Exactly. Right. I don't, it's, it's, you know, once you're dealing with tons, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the natural outcome of, of, you know, these big numbers. It's like, you know, okay, I'll invest 500 bucks in Bitcoin because, you know, like who cares if I lose that? But it's like, if I'm, you know, if I'm leveraged, I'm going to have a loan of, uh, you know, a couple million bucks. Like I, I can't, I can't afford to lose that. So how do you, how do you work that component out? Yeah, but the first thing is is the money part, right? So yes, you require more money, but you said you need a you need a. I think you said something like I need to have I need to have a lot of money set a set aside. Set aside, so that, correct. That implies that it's your money. I mean, that's but that's a fundamental thing. It's shifting. So yes, you need money set aside, but no one says it's got to be your own. Well, then where's it going to come from? Well, it's going to come from other people. Well, what other people? Right? These are going to be uh, people who have a different problem than you do. These are high net worth, high income earners who have a lot of money and no time. And they want the same thing, by the way, as you do, which is they want to get out of their job. They want to get out of the law practice. They want to get out of the dent, you know, their, their, their clinic that they're in because they're burning out. They just happen to have a lot of money. And their problem is they can't get a good, consistent, low volatile return on their money, stock market. Uh, and they're paying too many taxes. So they have a different problem that you can help them with because you can give them a consistent return with a lower risk, and they, hard, they will hardly pay any taxes on that return. So you're actually solving a problem for them. And most people are like, oh, I don't feel comfortable in taking money. You're like, well, you know, uh, you know I, I don't want to beg people for money. But it's exactly the opposite. And so once you get the taste of that, 
like I did, the light bulb moment goes out, my gosh, I can do stuff without actually having the resources myself by essentially syndicating these things together. And this is what we do as entrepreneurs all the time. Entrepreneurs make something happen out of nothing, out of thin air. I have no deal, no money. All of a sudden, six months go by, I have a deal with money and it's amazing. And all of a sudden, I'm creating value for everybody. I'm creating value for myself and for my investors. And that's really powerful. Well, I think that, and that idea is, is, is so fundamental because I think that a lot of times this idea of something from nothing, I mean, you know, I, I think that, that, that real estate's an amazing example that, that Peter Thiel has that, that book that was, uh, of all the self-help books, the most like uh, academic, I think I've read of zero to one, where he goes through, you know, like what, you know, creating out, out of nothing. But the reality is, especially if you're looking at real estate, you're not really creating out of nothing. Meaning if I feel like I have to produce something that's truly original, it's, it's overwhelming. But that, that's not what we're doing over here. We are just kind of seeing a pathway or putting together two parties that are already in existence. The, 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 the attorney that has the money but doesn't have the freedom, he's over here. And, and, and the apartment building that, that needs to be purchased is over there. And you are just, I guess, developing the tools to see the connection between the two and putting them together. That's sort of what you're saying. Exactly right. Yeah, you're putting the pieces together. Okay, okay. And, that, and that's something that you say is something that you need, that's what you teach people to do is just putting pieces together. That's right. Exactly. Unbelievable. So, so if you're going to go from a complete real estate novice to someone that's comfortable to going into doing your first deal, using your program, using your tutelage, what does that process look like? How long does it take? What do I have to have, you know, before I go into it? What do I want, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So that, that brings us to the second point. I don't have any experience. And the way you overcome that is by educating yourself. This is again, why I wrote the book financial freedom uh, with real estate investing is because it, it shows you how to overcome those two major objections. And it shows you the process of actually going out, finding a deal, raising money and closing the deal. Because I find that once someone can visualize the process to some degree of depth, they start to believe that this is something they can do. Now, if someone decides this, this is right for them, that this is something in the realm of possibility, at that point, they have to invest in themselves, right? The education uh, is, is, is out there. I'm, I offer it. There's other people that offer it out there. But you solve this problem by educating yourself, not by flipping houses or landlording for 10 years, um, but by educating yourself. And what happens is, in doing so, you develop a certain language. So when you call up a broker, you have a language that identifies you as someone who's an insider, someone who's in a know, versus sound like, like someone like a, like who's a newbie. The second thing that you learn through the process is that you have to build your team. This is especially important if you don't have any track record. So when you call up a broker and you say, my name is Mike, Michael, and I go on and on about my lack of experience, well, they're going to ask you, hey, this is great, Michael. Why don't you send me your proof of funds and I'll send you more information. And they say that because you sound like a newbie and they want you to go away, mm -hmm. which you will probably do. You're like, oh gosh, I don't have a proof of funds. What am I going to do? Versus if you call them up and you say, oh, I'm working with Sam over here who manages 5,000 you know, units in Atlanta. Oh, Sam's a great guy. I've known him for years. And so also now we're talking about Sam, who he knows. And now we're talking about his experience, not about you. Oh, working with closing attorney so-and-so. Oh, Frank, he's great. Yeah, I've done a bunch of deals with him as well. So really, before you start calling brokers or going out investors, just build your team. Well, how long is that? I, you know, I, I, if I could just, if I could just stop you on that, I think that that's what you said is such a, is such an important point because a lot of times we try to find um, like a soft way in, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, like, let me, let me be a, let me be a, you know, manage apartments, you know, for, for, for 10 years. And then, but the, but the problem is it's like, that's still not going to get you over that first hump, which is, you know, be, becoming someone that's able to, 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 to put these deals together. So that, the only way to do that is by education. And then this idea of, and I guess you're, you're talking about helping with this, um, building a network of, of, of trust so that the people that you're working with can know that you are reputable also. 
Absolutely. It's, it's all about the team. Uh, okay. And, and if, even, if, even if you're experienced, everyone that's experienced has an experienced team around them. But it's much more important, especially when you're, when you're, when you're starting off. Okay. Amazing. And then what? Look at, at that. Everything else at that point is almost secondary, right? Okay. It's almost secondary because the first thing is you have to be able to believe that this is something that you can do. Because if you can't, if you don't do that, then I don't, I can tell you all the mechanics of finding and closing deals. You're not even listening right now. Mm. So you have to, in your mind, you have to know, oh my gosh, I can do this. I can do this. And once you've done, once you've done that, now it's just a matter of educating yourself. And when you do that, when you do that, you will learn how to raise money. There's a system for raising money. You will learn how to find deals. There's a system for finding deals. You will learn how to analyze deals, how to make offers. There's systems and tools for that. You learn how to close a deal. You'll learn how to hire a manager, fire a manager, manager. All these things are very important, not nearly as important as the first two steps. That, that, that idea, when did you have that, that moment for yourself when you felt like, oh, I can actually do this? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's good. I mean, it, it, everything comes in stages, right? But yeah. I'll tell you, if someone sat me down in 2007 you know, or, or, or eight or nine, instead of me getting into restaurants, now this was, would have been before the recession, However, multifamily specifically did extremely well during the recession. So even had I got into apartments right. before the recession, I would have done much, much better, right? So if someone would have sat me down, Michael, you're being an idiot. Mm. Great franchises and great restaurants, whatever, wow. But you know what? P- apartment buildings, apartment buildings. So that's an advanced strategy. Yeah, but you, know, you, you, you just get some, get some training, raise the money. You, what do you mean raise the money? How can, how can you do that? Oh, well, here's how it works. And I was like, oh my gosh, had someone done that, I probably would have not done the restaurant stuff, but no one sat me down, right? There was at the time very, very few resources that, and so when I, when I noticed that, and of course I did the restaurants and then did uh, flipping houses. So I didn't, I didn't get the, the thing of raising money until much, much later because I had to. So that's what I'm saying. So this is, this is why my mission is to kind of educate the average real estate investor who goes to these meetings every single month mm-hmm. thinking they can get out of the rat race by flipping, wholesaling, or landlording when in fact they can't. Very, very few people do. But quietly, people, they may start with that. Then they go, this is insanity. I can't do that. And then they quietly actually retire with multifamily. So, and, and I guess that's, that's, um, that's an interesting question. So, you, you, why do you feel that multifamily over, I, guess, I could say, you know, in terms of the volume that you're doing, but in terms of other, like other kinds of commercial, you still feel very comfortable that multifamily is the, is the way to go. Why, why is that? And is that reflective of the market conditions today? Or is this is like, you're not worried what's going to be basically that, that, that this is the way to go forward if you want to set yourself up, at least in real estate, to have financial freedom. That's exactly right. I, I, I've studied this at great length, but multifamily is the best at any time in the world, unless you want to play the market. If you, if you are smart enough to time the market for certain things and you get them on an upswing, which I'm not that smart, okay, uh, then you might want to consider something else. But look at, this, look at the recession. So single family houses got slammed, right? Office slammed. Retail slammed, right? Uh, let's see. Um, and then we moved into apartments. And then we moved into apartments. Now, mobile home parks are actually fairly recession-proof. So, mm-hmm. But that's not my style, okay? A lot of people do mobile home parks. I just don't love it. Uh, then there's self-storage. But if you study self-storage, it's really, it's, it, it, you're doing two things. It's actually a business and a real estate. Uh, because uh, making money in self-storage is all about the operation of it. Versus, versus apartment buildings is like 10%. It is operations, but there's so many professional managers out there that for, for me as a syndicator, it's more like a 90% uh, 
um, real estate play because once I find a good, um, a good property manager, I can kind of go to sleep. We can't do it with the self-storage. It's very, very, very difficult to hire third-party uh, management companies that will actually manage your property. So that's why I don't do self-storage either. So those are all in, in the, in the and there's light industrial, and I don't know much about light industrials, to be honest with you. So it may, may be great, but, uh, you know, warehouses, that kind of stuff. So that's just why multifamily for the average, you know, is not even for the average. It's, it's, the, it's the best asset class. Amazing. Um, where do you see your, I guess, you know, you, you set up so many Americans and, and people in general, you know, are, are just trying to figure out how do I have a plan that when I'm old and can't work anymore, you know, there's going to be money. So you've set that part up for yourself that you've, you've built a nest, you've built, you know, that will that, set you up, set up your family, etc. What do you, what's next? What's on the other side of that? Like you're, you're clearly, you're still driven. You're not off playing golf all day long, even if you could, uh, or whatever you like doing, what, what drives you and where do you see your, your business or your mission going in the future? All right. So what drives me is, is helping people uh, become financially free. Now the question is why, why is that important? What I observe, the reason that's important because I, I think we're all, we're all called to do something specific, some purpose in our lives. Um, and, and that's, if we find that purpose, our life is going to be the most fulfilled because it lights us up in the morning. The problem is if you're working 50 hours a week, it's very difficult for number one, you'd be clear about what you really love to do and to be able to do something about it. Right? So when you have a conversation, Hey Paul, you should really, you know, you should really reflect and see what your true passion is and your purpose. Like, what are you talking about, Michael? I'm working 50 plus hours a week. Okay. I come home drained, put the kids to bed, you know, fall asleep in front of the TV and do it again tomorrow. What do you, what do you, what in your earth are you talking about? Right. So I, I, I observed, I can't have a conversation around significance with people who are working full time yes. for a matter of simple, my head is consumed. And even if I d decided that, oh, I love woodworking and, and my, my passion is to be a woodworker, I can't do it anyway because I have to provide for my family. So to me, Financial freedom is a key ingredient to living a life of significance. Now, even if you look at people like Mother Teresa, well, she was financially free. Why? Because she had someone covering her living expenses. Correct. It wasn't through real estate, okay? But how can she do that if she wasn't covering the living expenses? Which right? is such I'm an important thing that nobody thinks about is it's like, yeah. you know, like, well, you know, I don't need money to do X, Y, and Z because look at this person. It's like, well, that, that person, they're not, they're not worried about that because they either don't have those expenses or someone's covering them. Right. right money is super important. Love of money, maybe not so much, but money is very, very important. And at a minimum, you have to cover your living expenses by, by some means, right? So you can either have a job or you can have passive income coming from real estate. Uh, you know, I was having a conversation with someone just the other day and he was really, really passionate about an inner city project he was working on. Every waking moment he has, he goes down and works on it, but he's working now. And he was, he was specifically, his strategy was to, he actually had some money, and so his strategy was to invest passively in these syndications because passive investors get a return on their money as well. And the passive investor wants the same thing that, you know, we do as the syndicators, just a different route. I happen to have money. I'm going to get a 10% return or 15% return on my money. And if I do enough of it, I've covered my living expenses. So his strategy was just to start plowing his money in into these multifamily investments so that the, the passive income could then cover his living expenses so he can do, so he can serve full time. Yes, right. Very, very powerful. And the idea is if enough people, if enough people become financially free, you know, the world might be a better place. Because they're not going to be operating out of, out of a position of desperation or a position of not thinking, but they actually can sort of yeah. structure, structure their life. Beautiful. Okay, yeah. Michael, I want to be very respectful of your time. Thank you so much. Tell me how people can find out more about you, about the amazing work you're doing, seminars, et cetera. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I'm at themichaelblank.com. That's T-H-E, the, and then Michael, B-L-A-N-K is my last name, or just, uh, just Google apartment building investing. You'll find me. We have so much free information out there. We have a podcast, we have a YouTube channel, uh, and, we, and we have some paid programs. We have live events. So uh, we have the book, of course, great entry and, and just kind of, you know, thinking if this is something that, uh, for people. So that's how people can find me. Amazing, Michael. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Jacob, thank you so much.